following sermon was delivered at Antioch Presbyterian Church, a mission work of Calvary Presbytery of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Woodruff, South Carolina. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com or contact us at info at AntiochPCA.com. May the Lord bless you as you receive gracious instruction from His Word. Let's take our seats and I'm going to be preaching to you. And what a delight it is that we have so many boys and girls here. Now, I'm one of those preachers who's preaching more to the boys and girls than to the parents. And um, who knows today, God might call one of you boys to be a minister or a preacher of the gospel. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If one of you said on whatever date it is today, the 12th of March, I had a sense of calling from God when this foreign preacher from England came. So I want the boys and girls, and especially the boys, to be listening to the preaching of the Word of God. And the title of the sermon that I've got for us tonight is, this is a fresh-baked sermon. My wife said to me on the interstate over, uh, what are you preaching? And... uh, And I told her the title of the sermon is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is a fresh-baked sermon from heaven's oven. I've never preached this anywhere before. So this is a a custom-made sermon for you boys on the front row. How is that? And uh, what I hope for is I want to bring you greetings from Sheffield Presbyterian Church. And um, we'll be praying for you all, just like we trust you'll be praying for us. We have an old building as well. Our building was built in 1629. But listen, we're not here to boast. (laughs) This is still a historic building. And you know, our building, uh, where I'm the minister, is the only church in the world, as far as I know, that's been recovered for Presbyterian worship. And the founding minister was one of the Westminster divines. And his name was Stanley Gower. But we praise God for that. But we're living in 2023. And we want the gospel to flourish and go forth. So the title of the sermon is Jesus Christ, the Son of David. And I want to draw our attention to 2 Samuel chapter 7, which I'll read one more time, verses 16 and 17. And it's the conclusion, really, of this covenant that God promises to King David. And it says this, And your house... And your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. And we're going to focus really on on that aspect of the covenant. And I hope that our faith can be enlarged, that we can be encouraged in the Lord this evening. Now, unlike the United States of America, we have a king. And uh, he's going to be, there's going to be a coronation in a few, very soon in two or three months' time. And uh, the new king is going to be King Charles III. And um, he'll be crowned, there'll be a coronation, there'll be lots of pomp and so forth. But we want to be encouraged tonight that we in the church on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean we have someone who is far greater than King Charles 
the third of, the, of Great Britain. And the church has the Lord Jesus Christ as her king. Amen? It's sure quiet in this Presbyterian church. Because what's wonderful about the Lord Jesus Christ, just like this King Charles III, there will not be the Lord Jesus Christ II or the Lord Jesus Christ III. There is one and one only appointed king and his name is Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what we're going to be talking about this evening in this place. Jesus Christ is the first and the last. What security that gives us. And uh, this text in 2 Samuel chapter 7, it's given to us that we may clearly understand about Christ. Because there are three headings for us tonight, which are very simple. It is this, house, kingdom, and throne. House, kingdom, and throne. And I want us all to memorize those three headings. Very simple. House, kingdom, and throne. Because it teaches us about Christ and his relationship with the church, including that relationship with the Antioch Presbyterian Church. Now, though that covenant was given to King David, King David only sees in in really quite obscure shadow, the fulfillment of it, it's really looking forward another thousand years after uh, King David. Can you imagine that? It's a long time, isn't it? A thousand years. And it's all pointing forwards to the man Jesus of Nazareth who would come from heaven, and he would establish this covenant. And there's a key word. Did you notice when the reading was given? what that key word was. And the key word, and, and I'm preaching to the folk in the baby's room as well, the key word is forever. Did you notice that? This covenant we can call the forever covenant because everything about the kingdom of God is what? Forever. And when mums, when mums and dads, when they catechize their children, you know, they ask children, Okay, son, and how long is forever? And how do you answer? It's a long time. And it is, but it's more than a long time. It never ends. And I've never met you this evening, or many of you, but if you're in Christ, we are going to spend forever together. Isn't that wonderful? We have a hymn that we sing in in England. I'm not sure if you know it here. Uh, But it talks about uh, forever with the Lord, amen, so let him be, let it be. And it talks about a day's march nearer home. Do you know that song? Well, even if you don't, the fact is, on this Sabbath day, I am, and we are, a day's march nearer home. Wouldn't that be wonderful to be buried? I, I will be very happy if, when I'm buried, they write on my tombstone this little phrase, gone home. Because this world is not it. This church this evening, this is a temporary sheepfold for the eternal sheepfold that will be in heaven. Forever with the Lord. Everything that God does is forever. 
And so we can think about the covenant of David as the what? As the forever covenant. A covenant that endures through all time. But we're going to just spend a little bit of time to stir our faith to encourage us with the thoughts of the house and of the kingdom uh, and of the throne. And then leave you to spend the rest of this Lord's Day to confer about this as families and to discuss it and to chew on it and to meditate on it that our faith may grow. And so I want just to read one verse, not for you to turn to it, just to establish for us the reality of this covenant and its abiding continuance through all time. Because what happened a thousand years later, there was a tiny village, a tiny little village in the land of Israel, and that village was called Nazareth. Have you heard of Nazareth? Anybody heard of Nazareth? Who made Nazareth famous? Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for Jesus uh, being raised and conceived in Nazareth, we would never have heard about it. When I was on the I-20 leaving Douglasville and coming over here, I drove past a place called Lithia Springs. There's nothing in Lithia Springs. But in a sense, there was nothing really in Nazareth, Nazareth except the Son of the living God, the second person of the Trinity, was to be conceived inside the womb of the Virgin Mary. And listen to the archangel Gabriel. Guess what Gabriel does? He recites to Mary the covenant of David, which we've just read. And what does the archangel Gabriel say about the conception of the Holy Spirit and the, her, Mary's virgin birth, and the messianic son to be born? Listen to this. The archangel Gabriel says this. Let me find my, uh, my, here we go. The messenger Gabriel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And listen to this, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So the archangel Gabriel speaks these words that are lifted straight from uh, the Davidic covenant in Samuel and Chronicles. And what does it emphasize? The, the kingdom and the house and the throne of the Lord, which will be fulfilled through this son who is to be born, whose name is Jesus. Jesus means the Lord will save. And maybe some of you boys and girls, maybe you've not called out to the Lord yet. And I want to exhort you tonight to call upon the name of Jesus to be saved and to ask him to forgive you your sins before you go to sleep tonight. I want to exhort you to do that. 
There's nothing better than to be a Christian, but the forgiveness of sins does not come through mum and dad. It comes from God through Jesus Christ. So let's look at our first heading briefly. It's the, it's the first heading is house. And remember what the archangel Gabriel said there. He said that Jesus will, be, will reign over the house of Jacob forever. David was promised this house. And so clearly he wanted to build a house for the Lord. Can you imagine that, building a house for the Lord? Can you imagine if Greenville Presbyterian Seminary had some new donor and they said, listen, you're buying all these, these houses over there, you, you know, we're going to give you... We're going to give you $50 million because we want Dr. Piper and all the staff, we want them to build a house for God in Greenville. Could you imagine that? doesn't matter how much money will be given, nobody could build a house to contain the eternal God. But yet the eternal God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man, has covenanted himself to build his house all over the world. And tonight, we are gathered in the house of the Lord. It's the saints gathered together. And one of the first things about a house of the Lord is, is that God loves his household. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of against it. So nothing against this covenanted house that can come against it will cause it to fall. Individual congregations may come and go, but God Almighty will make sure that the church will always have the house of the Lord. Why? So that people can come to worship the Lord of that house. So the first thing about the covenant is that Christ will build a house. It speaks of the churches that will be all over the earth so that we may come and worship. But in the house, it's a place of the heavenly Father's dwelling place that we may taste something of the, the family of God. Could you imagine getting saved and there would be no church for you to go to? That would be lonely, wouldn't it? That would be desolate. You just stop at home and you just read your Bible on your, on your own. No, one of the glorious things about the kingdom of God is that the covenant made with the, Jesus, the son of David, is to the, the building of a house that we can have fellowship one with another. On one occasion, Satan came and, and incited David to do something he shouldn't have done. Pride came in and he, he had a census. And, uh, and Satan stood against Israel, the word of God says. And you may think, oh no, the plan of the Lord is going to fail. And, and so Satan attacked the house of the Lord, the people in that old covenant church. But what happened was, as a result of that, and we all know this verse, don't we? And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. Not some things, but all things work together for good. And we need to memorize that verse now before trials come. Because you can mark this down. You can, if you're making notes, write this down. Trials will come my way. 
you're not going to go through life without trials and difficulties and setbacks. And this is what happened with this covenant that was promised there, that trial came against the house of the Lord, the people of God in Israel, and Satan incited King David to have this census, and the judgment of God came. But as a result of that judgment, it turned about that David bought a plot of land where the house of the Lord would be built in Jerusalem. And what was to happen in the house of the Lord, the central thing in the time of King David and then Solomon, the central portion of the house of the Lord was to be a place where the people of God could sacrifice, where they could come and slaughter lambs. And I want to say this, that in this Davidic covenant, following the resurrection of Jesus, the same covenant applies all the way through. The central thing for the house of the Lord today and even into eternity is this. What is to be central is the reminder that Jesus Christ has suffered and he has been raised from the dead. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we need to constantly point people to the crucified Savior. We have a hymn back home. It's called, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And that's to be central. The blood of, of Jesus Christ Satan hates the blood of Jesus. Satan wants to get the house of the Lord off track to focus on anything other than Christ to be preeminent, the suffering of Jesus. And we remember the words of Christ on the cross, don't we? Some of his last words were this. It is finished. What beautiful words. Notice Jesus did not say, it is to be finished. We maybe translate that little phrase, it's a single Greek word, as this. It is perfectly perfect. It is completely complete. There's nothing to be added to the perfect work of atonement of Jesus Christ. Well, let me just say one more point before we move to our second heading, the kingdom is that everything God does is what? It's forever. This is the forever covenant. The house of the Lord is to be forever. And so here we are in Antioch Presbyterian Church. This is a temporary sheepfold. The real sheepfold is in heaven. Remember King David when he wrote Psalm 23? And how does he finish off? The sheep are out in the in the hills and the valleys. And then it, David writes this, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, my dad was a committed Christian, got converted when he was about 50 years of age. And uh, in more, I worked in the States in the 1980s, but in more recent times, I was sent back over here in 2010 to sow the vision about church planting in England. And I almost didn't, wasn't able to come because 
I came in Easter, I think it was March of 2010, but in January, my dad suffered a, a stroke. And um, he was in hospital, and he didn't know where he was. He was 74 years of age. His, his mental faculties had collapsed. He was a committed, born-again Christian. He was a chartered engineer. He had a very good memory for memorizing Scripture. But I remember being in hospital with him uh, before I came to the States that year, and I thought I'm going to recite to him in the hospital Psalm 23. So I went through it, and we got towards, and as I began to start off, my dad didn't know where he was, but he just began to pick up the pace and began to recite Psalm 23 with me. What did I learn from that? Though the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day. And that the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us because we're in hospital and don't know where we are. And as we got to this line, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, my dad, who couldn't tell you what his name was, he suddenly punched the air like this. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want to encourage us, we're one day's march nearer home. But when we die, and die we will if Christ doesn't come back, when our eyelids close in death, our eyes will open and see the King. And what a joy that will be to be in the house of the Lord forever. Our second heading is the kingdom. That's part of the covenant. The first one is house. The second one is kingdom. What do we learn about this? That Christ's covenant, he will build a kingdom. And this place in Antioch Presbyterian Church, it's an enlarged vision for us. We are one small part of the kingdom of God in the whole of the planet Earth. But it's an important part because every part of his kingdom means a whole lot to Jesus. When Jesus begins a work, he brings it through to completion. Because right now on this Sabbath evening, what time is it? Five to six, the king takes you so seriously, he comes to our worship services. Jesus Christ, the king, came into this building for this evening service before we arrived. The book of Revelation tells us that the king of the kingdom walks among the candlesticks. Now, you can't see Jesus. He's invisible. But by the Holy Spirit, he is here with us this evening. Because the whole idea of a kingdom, as we get there from 2 Samuel, as we've already read for us this evening, and I'll read it one more time. In 2 Samuel it says, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. And so the kingdom that was promised to David was really fulfilled ultimately through the coming of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said when he, when he began to preach? What did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That this kingdom was now exploding through the coming of Christ, who is the king. He came to build a kingdom, and this kingdom was prophesied in the book of Daniel. Many of you probably know that prophecy. Let me read it to you. This speaks of Christ in Daniel 7, 13 and 14. Daniel writes, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven... 
they came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Yet Satan's going to try and attack Antioch Presbyterian Church, but it will not be destroyed because the king will not be overthrown. The king of the church will not be overthrown. And he will build his kingdom. There was a nation in Europe some of you maybe know this, it was called Albania. And they had an evil king, a dictator called Enver Hodger. And you can imagine what this arrogant man announced. This king Enver, well, this leader Enver Hodger announced that Albania was an atheistic nation and a nation in which God doesn't exist. Well, you could make that announcement... But what happens is that kings come and kings go. When the day came, Enver Hodja died. And I had the privilege in 1991 of taking the gospel into a prison in Albania and preaching Christ to people who had never heard the gospel. I was preaching in Albania before uh, our brother, um, Bertie, isn't it? Bertie tonight is preaching in the place where I was preaching this morning. And my wife and I, we met in Albania. So Albania's got a special place for us, but there are churches all over today in every town in Albania today. Why? Jesus told us how to pray. How did Jesus teach us to pray? He taught us to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Why? Because God has made a covenant for the kingdom to be established, but he requires us to enter into this plan and to pray. We're not really that bothered about what the American government does right now. They may have transvestites being paraded at the White House, but how do we pray in the church? We pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. Because marriage will never be overthrown while ever Christ lives. And Christ will outlive every king in America, every king in Britain, and he will establish his kingdom. So the kingdom of God is a reminder of the power of our great king. And our third and last heading is this throne. It says here in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 16, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision Nathan spoke to David. Thirdly and lastly this evening, remember those three aspects of house, of kingdom, and now throne. The, the throne of God is clearly in heaven, but also, in a sense, with this covenant, the throne where Christ reigns from is in his church. And how does Christ rule 
over his church. Number one, he rules through the reading and the preaching of the Word of God. Why do we require people to listen? It's because what we have here, we have presented for us was we had in the reading, but also the preaching, is the voice of the King speaking to us. Now, right now, as I'm preaching, I'm standing in the office being sent by the great King whose name is Jesus Christ. I'm a mere mortal. I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I'm not here preaching myself. There's a difference between me now preaching the Word of God to you, and then when I'm sat down drinking coffee with you in 15 minutes, because we're now to be living uh, in the church under the preaching of the Word of God. And yes, we have the tokens of the covenant. We have, we have baptism, and we have the Lord's Supper, which are uh, covenant meal and and a way of entrance into the kingdom of God, which are visual aids of this covenant that God's promised. But the church is a place where the throne of God, the reign of God, the rule of God through Christ is exercised in this world. And we need a recovery of the doctrine of the incarnation again. Aren't you glad that I didn't contact Pastor Zach and say, you know, here's a sermon by me on sermon audio. He can play it for the folks at Antioch. No, God has got us to come on a plane so we can meet you all in the flesh. And what we found in Britain is that there's been a lot of inroads that have come in and diluted the importance of the church. The kingdom of God is not live stream. Worship is for participation, not for observation. Would you agree with that? You see, we've been all over, not all over the U.S., it's too big a country, but all over the South, just meeting with folks, and it's just been tremendous. And it just reminds me that God didn't send His Son uh, by an email. He came in the flesh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so therefore, when we gather together, we gather together face to face. And out of that communion, Christ is with us. And His throne, as we're reminded this evening, is a draw to a close, that the throne that's promised is a throne of grace. And so we're here tonight to call people to what Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we often think about the older folks, don't we? You know, the dad's moving to town because he's got a job with Michelin. But what about the, the son and the daughter who are, who are burdened down with homeschooling exams and projects that the parents are cramming onto them? Well, maybe if you're a child and you're struggling with homeschooling projects, maybe you need to hear what the words of Jesus. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. What about the housewives here? Maybe you're just having child number six, and you're thinking, I'm not sure I can keep going like this. I'm homeschooling, I'm cooking meals, I'm cooking shrimp and grits every day, and I'm not sure I can keep going. And Christ says to you as a housewife, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because we have taught before us, there is a throne of grace. 
And it's a throne that can never be shaken. And as we close this evening, I want to remind us of one or two things as we close. Firstly, to get the Lord's Prayer out and begin to pray it with fresh vigor. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not just here in Spartanburg. I think that's where we are. But also that God's kingdom would come in Saudi Arabia. That the spiritual house of the Lord would be built so that Arabs could worship God and cast aside Muhammad and confess Jesus Christ is Lord. That the house of the Lord will be built in Afghanistan, just as the covenant says, this house will be in all nations and tongues, and there's a lot of work yet to be done. That the kingdom of God would stretch out further branches into places like Qatar, into Canada, that liberalism will be cast down in Canada, and that the kingdom would bear fresh branches again, fresh limbs. But I want to really finish off for us tonight, just in a moment, for us to think about heaven. Because this covenant will be fulfilled in its ultimate, maximal observation in heaven. And I want us to finish just now to look forwards to heaven because who will be the center of worship in heaven? It'll be the Lamb of God. And when we get to heaven, you're going to be saying to one another, those preachers on earth, they didn't tell us the half of Jesus Christ, his beauty, his majesty. And we'll gaze upon him and gaze upon his wounds and be reminded there's only one reason why we'll be in heaven. It will be because there is a throne of grace. Nobody can be in heaven and boast and say, I was a faithful Christian. We'll cast our crowns down before our king and cry, he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. Salvation is all of grace from beginning to the end. And this covenant, which is a forever covenant, is dripping with the grace of God. I feel I've hardly done this text justice, but I submit to you that both now and forever, this kingdom is about the house of the Lord, it's about the kingdom of God, and it's about the throne of God. And who knows what things God, who knows what things God has got prepared for us, for eternity yet to come. All I can say is thank God for Jesus Christ. I'm going to be praying for us. Do you stand up or sit down as I close in prayer? Let me just check. Prayer of application, dedication. Do you want to stand or sit down? You stand, let's stand together. And one thing I like, I, some folks back in Sheffield a while ago, these are were, these were not Presbyterians, but they criticize me for giving the benediction with hands raised. I explain, this is biblical. But what I've liked since I've been in, in, in Greenville is praying with the hands raised. Doesn't the Bible say that? Lifting up holy hands in prayer. Let's come before the throne of God. Our Heavenly Father, 
I pray a prayer of application that we would confer with one another about this covenant of David and the covenant head, the messenger of the covenant, Jesus, the son of David, that we would be strengthened in our faith that undergirding this church and every true church is Jesus Christ, the son of David, and that he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. But may our vision go to all nations and peoples. And may we be praying to that end. Oh, Lord, we give you thanks and we want to commit to you this offering that we'll now be receiving. And as we want to dedicate ourselves, which includes in giving to the Lord, and may you supply super abundantly the needs of Antioch Presbyterian Church, not only so that they can pay their pastor, but so that they can support the mission effort to the ends of the earth. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Antioch Presbyterian Church. We are located in the historic Cashville community of Woodruff, South Carolina, near the intersection of South Carolina Highways 101 and 417. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com.